Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals combines the four most powerful of these plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black peppercorn, and black cumin seed. It's an all-natural daily preventative against a host of possibly inflammatory issues. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, circulation, and immunity. It's a delicious tasting supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's my future. P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. And while supplies last, buy two bottles of Black for Health and get two bottles of Wild Oil of Oregano free. That's a $55 value just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. The subject is stress and how to cope with it. Uh, We're going to discuss a great book just out by today's guest, Dr. Donnie Wilson, Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health, the personalized program to calm anxiety, boost energy, and beat burnout. And uh, the book is newly published or about to be published uh, next month. You can pre-order it at Dr. Donnie Wilson. I'm sorry, Dr. Donnie, spelled, spell out doctor, D-O-N-I, dot com. And so, uh, Donnie, it, uh, I, one of the innovations in the book, and I, I really enjoyed reading that part, uh, is how you divide people into uh, five different types according to their stress response. So I, I know there's a lot of detail there, and you got to read the book to capture uh, the uh, essence of that. But can you give us a, an overview of the different types? Definitely. And I want to point out that it's it's so important. This is so important for a couple of reasons. One is to recognize that we're unique, right? Of course, we're unique human beings in many ways. But I really want people to know that they're they're unique, even in the way their body responds to stress, because I think that we assume we're all the same, right? We assume we all have a high cortisol. If I think if we ask listeners right now, like, you know, how do you think you're responding to stress? Many people would guess that they have high cortisol because it's something we hear about mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and so this is to just really point out that actually we're ve- our systems are so unique. It's important to know that exactly how your body is responding to stress. And the reason it's so important is because the treatment is different. I can get into that. Um, but in order to successfully recover from something, we need to know how it's affecting you specifically. And instead of, this is one of my my problems with the ways that usually uh, the adrenal glands are addressed. You know, if, if a practitioner is gonna address them, mm-hmm. they sometimes address them very generally. And so my argument is that's not gonna, I mean, that might be a little bit beneficial, but it's very unlikely for a person to fully improve or recover based on a general approach to the adrenal glands. And when we can be way more specific about our approach, the person's more likely to feel better. And so this is why these stress types or categories are so important is to ensure um, more optim- you know, more uh, positive outcomes to the treatment. And so um, the different types, the, the simple way to break it down is to say, 
that there's there's the one that is both high cortisol, high adrenaline. And here's the thing is a lot of times when it comes to the adrenals, people only think about cortisol. But I find that it's essential to also take into consideration the adrenaline or norepinephrine and epinephrine because this is also made by the stress response and the adrenal gland. So we need to know both. We need to know if there's high cortisol, high adrenaline, that's that's one of the stress types, what I call the stress magnet. Um, the complete opposite of that is another stress type, which would have, which would be low cortisol, low adrenaline, mm-hmm. um, at, at least at some point during the day, and that's referred to as the blah and blue type. And so those then people must are, be really feel wiped out because they don't have any resilience to stress at all. They they've sort of lost the capacity to produce mm-hmm. these counter-regulatory uh, hormones that address mm-hmm. uh, uh, various challenges. Yeah, and it's not necessarily Addison's disease, right? Like some people, right. it goes all the way to that extreme, but they may just have relatively low cortisol and adrenaline. And you're making a good point. Like, yes, those cat that category of people are more likely to experience fatigue. But interestingly, all of these categories could ex- experience fatigue. So mm-hmm. if a person feels more tired or exhausted, they still need to look a little further and say, Am I really low cortisol and adrenaline, or am I one of the other stress types that might also have some fatigue? Um, and then um, there's the what I refer to as the night owl, which is similar to the stress magnet, except most of their cortisol and adrenaline is happening in the evening, so they're more likely to be staying up late or having difficulty with sleep. Is that a circadian um, rhythm disturbance uh, more so than a an actual deficiency or excess of uh, those two? Uh, hormones? Well, it's a good question. It, it definitely creates a circadian disturbance, you know, because they, um, and it's hard to know sometimes what came first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like sometimes this person is saying, hey, I'm I'm up till two or three in the morning and then I'm sleeping till noon and I, and I can't fix it. I'm stuck mm-hmm. in this It's a mismatch, pattern. right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I joke like maybe if they would they're they're if they move to a different location in the world they can match their time zone better. <laughs> but ultimately I think even if they went to a different time zone the same pattern would right. happen because their body is in this shifted circadian rhythm and um and it's when we can help shift the adrenal glands to a healthier circadian rhythm that we can change that pattern where they actually can be um, I'm I'm a lot of times in the night owl category, you know. So I have to real. I've learned like, okay, if I can get my my cortisol to go down in the evening, then I can get to sleep earlier and wake up earlier. You know, you we can. That's the thing is that it's not just a band aid, right? It's not just like we want to actually create a shift that can sustain and maintain mm-hmm. over time to levels that are associated with better health, right? Like we know that when we have our cortisol levels decrease at night and we can go to bed earlier and sleep when our melatonin is optimal and then wake up in the morning when the sun comes up, that's going to, that's well established to be associated with improved health, right? Improved mm-hmm. brain function, mm-hmm. energy, um, mood, all of that. And so what we're really attempting to create here is a shift toward optimal health, not just, because uh, some people will say, oh, is this just a Band-Aid, right? No, it's no, actually. It's not like just simply taking uh, a sleeping pill or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the other two stress types are when maybe the cortisol is high and the adrenaline's low or the 
cortisol is low and the adrenaline's high. They can be at opposites to mm. each other. And sometimes those are a little bit more challenging to address. So that's why, you know, again, it's important to know if you are in one of those um, with high cortisol, and low adrenaline, for example, that's going to require a very different approach than um, than the others we talked about. And and how do we measure uh, cortisol and adrenaline? Because typically I'll, I'll use a saliva test, not just to capture one cortisol, uh, because if we look at cortisol, say, you know, uh, when somebody's in the doctor's office in the middle of the day, it might be very different uh, when they awaken uh, or at night if it interferes with sleep. So you use a, a saliva test where you do a successive tests through uh, the day to chart the progress of the cortisol. And, and what about adrenaline? Because adrenaline, you know, it, it, it changes with circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of these can, you know, I mean, certainly if someone's, you know, say something stressful just happened and they just measure their cortisol and adrenaline in that moment, it's going to be different than their baseline. Um, so what we're not trying to catch that. We're trying to catch what is their cortisol and adrenaline kind of day in, day out, sort of your set point and that's that does exist you know is what i find by measuring these levels for so long for so many years and so many people is that i'm looking for what is your cortisol and adrenaline set point at this point in time it's like a homeostasis right it's where the body kind of found itself and stuck and um and so yes as you pointed out we want to measure cortisol at different times a day because normally cortisol is a hormone that changes at different times a day it should be higher in the morning and then it should gradually decrease through the day. So we want to measure it when you first wake up in the middle of the day, in the evening, and at bedtime. And you can measure that in saliva or urine, um, which is easier than blood draw. I mean, you could also do a blood draw, but now you'd have to get your blood drawn at four different times a day. So to do, you can do it at home and just spit in a tube or do a urine sample, and we can see that cortisol curve. We call it a cortisol curve. And then for adrenaline, the norepinephrine can be measured in urine. And um, and we usually measure it in the morning, in the second morning urine. And that is also been uh, researched and well-established as a, a, you know, effective way to measure those levels. Mm-hmm. So then we can see where's, you know, where is this person's um, adrenaline? If I, I tend to shorten it and just say adrenaline. Um, and, you know, then we can determine, okay, what's happening here? Where 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 is that this person's body kind of in their homeostatic uh, stress response. And to me, it's what I what I in the book referred to as stress mode. You know, we, we find ourselves in stress mode, which is essentially your unique form of, of burnout. You know, what it what happened? Did your cortisol get stuck high levels at different times a day? Is it stuck in high adrenaline or uh, you know the stress types we just described? So once we know where your what your stress mode looks like now we can effectively uh, determine the treatment to help you recover from it. Does the pace of modern life or some characteristic uh, of modern man as opposed to paleo man uh, have an impact on these things? Because, you know, clearly uh, we have a natural stress response and it helps us uh, run from saber-toothed tigers and from, uh, you know, uh, rival tribes. But uh, in modern life, it appears that uh, stress is ubiquitous. And also there, there's, especially in the current era, we, we tend to emphasize, uh, stimulating things versus, uh, relaxing things. There was actually a whole principle during the Victorian era, 
where they tried to reduce stimulation. They actually wanted to uh, make uh, put they put a priority on calm and on relaxation and to avoid uh, uh, excitatory things. And it was like interesting to discover to look at historically what has happened to the way we we approach these issues. It is really interesting. I agree with you. And um, just remembering that this has been on the mind of humans, you know, all along, you know, we're, we're aware that we have that our bodies are going to respond to stress. And what can we do to be proactive about it? And um, to your point, I definitely think what we've been living through now and the way we approach stress definitely is playing a role. I mean, we just came through, as you mentioned earlier, we just came through this pandemic. And I think it really brought more awareness to the fact that we're exposed to stress. Um, and because before that, I think people were much more likely to dismiss it, you know, kind of think, oh, well, stress is there. I can't do anything about it. You know, let me just keep plowing through, right? Was a, and maybe still a common viewpoint of it. Um, but I think through the pandemic, what I'm seeing is that more people are starting to realize, wait a minute, I need to be more proactive about this. I'm exposed to a huge amount of stress and there's a huge amount of stress in the world. I need to take care of myself and make sure that I'm doing what I can to protect myself from the stress I'm exposed to. And to some degree, yes, we then start to we hear things about, oh, can I try to be stress free? But ultimately, not only is that impossible and would probably cause more stress trying to achieve it. Um, it's not optimal to be no. stress free. We need stresses, right? We need we, we want our we want to be able to live our passion, which means we're going to be having some stress as parents or as practitioners or running a business. There's it's like we want a certain amount of stress, this youth stress that's referred to, right? We want some stress. Um, at the same time, there is some stresses we can attempt to reduce in our lives. Um, and so we can become, by becoming more aware of all of that, and this is what I really hope readers take from the book, is how do I embrace my stress, become more aware of the importance of it, and also the importance of anti-stress? You know, what can we do to help ourselves recover from stress all the time? Not not just when you have a vacation, but how do you help yourself recover from stress day in and day out? Mm-hmm. And you have some very specific uh, prescriptions for that for each of the stress types in, in your book. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors this opportunity to share a vital message with you. This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax Gold with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells and restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years. With a 45-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158, or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to today's guest, Dr. Donnie Wilson. 
Let's talk about the impact of diet on stress. A lot of people uh, think that, well, you know, what does food have to do with stress? I mean, stress is an external thing, you know, our life circumstances, our, our challenges. How can food have an impact on our stress response? I, I love that you're asking this. And, and I'm certainly, as a nutritionist, you know, my, you mentioned earlier, you know, I, um, well, when I was in getting my pre-med degree, I became very interested in in food as medicine. And I thought, oh my gosh, where's the medical school that teaches me about food as medicine? And that's how I originally found uh, Bastyr University and naturopathic medicine is, is my desire to use food as medicine. And so definitely I like to bring awareness to this. And to me, one of the first important things to realize is that there's certain food choices that become a stress to our bodies. So if we're trying to minimize our stress exposure, then we want to look at foods that are causing stress to our system. And so think of stress as anything that your body has to physiologically react to, respond to. So even say sugar, for example, when we consume more sugar, it requires more of an insulin response. So our bodies are having to respond and and, and triggers a an adaptive or stress response based on you know how much sugar we're consuming for example so we we want to look at what are the ways we're feeding ourselves that are actually creating more stress or triggering more cortisol and by choosing differently now we're helping our bodies out by making it so we're not constantly having to create stress responses based on how we're eating and what we're eating so uh, a lot of people have written about the impact of hypoglycemia on uh, mental health. Uh, do, uh, uh, does plummeting blood sugar have an impact on uh, adrenaline and cortisol? Absolutely. It's one of the places that I really encourage people to start is the blood sugar balancing. Um, because when our blood sugar fluctuates too high, too low, of course, our bodies are gonna is gonna trigger a stress response. We're gonna have a cortisol response. The cortisol is gonna wanna protect us from starvation, for example, when our blood sugar goes too low. So it's going when cortisol then gets stimulated, it causes our our body to produce its own glucose. Um, and so we're because our body knows, our brain knows it can't run out of glucose, right? So it's if we are not eating and our our blood sugar goes too low, our body is gonna uh, jump in and help us out. But if that's help happening all the time, like when we're a lot of times people will say when I was younger, all I had to do was just like skip some meals or decrease my calories and I could lose weight and I could feel better. But that that was just an adaptive stress response over time, then that's less and less successful right now. If you if you just try to you know, skip a few meals, you might not lose weight because now the the stress response uh, that has occurred over time is is going to it, it, you it know literally <laughs> holds fat on on your frame. Uh, cortisol, too much cortisol in say Cushing's disease, which is a classic uh, excess cortisol disease. Uh, people are typically uh, overweight, obese. They you know have uh, big bellies and uh, humps of fat on their uh, the behind their necks. So yeah. there, there is something to that, that the excess cortisol interferes with efforts to lose weight. Yes, it does. And so we, and, and I find this like, um, by the way, Ron, there's, you know, such a trend now with fasting and intermittent fasting. And of course, like, like most things when it comes to health, there's 
a certain amount of it that can be helpful and useful and effective, right? We know that if we take a break from eating overnight, usually, especially while we're sleeping, um, that there's some benefits, right? We, we give our digestion a break. We, there's a lot of healing and restoring that happens when we have an overnight fast. But if we push it too far, if we fast for too long for our bodies, right? And it's unique for each person. But at a certain point, a fast is going to trigger cortisol, high cortisol levels. And it's going to counteract the benefits of the fat, the original intention. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, this comes to this um, concept of hormesis, you know, where hormesis is when we, we know that if we, if we change things up for our body, whether it's fasting a little longer or um, changing our diet or exercising more or anything, any Cold kind exposure, of change. For example, you know, people who plunge into icy waters, you know, to uh, reboot their system. Right. So we're choosing these activities because we know that if you if you make a bit of a change to the body, the body's going to adapt. And but what we have to keep in mind is that there's there's limits to hormesis. If you you need to find for your body, if you make a change, you only want to make as much change as it's going to have a beneficial effect. Because if you make too much of a change, if you go too cold or could go too cold for too long, it's going to hit it's going to go into a stress response and have negative effects. Mm -hmm. Same thing, you know, with if you overexercise, a certain amount of exercise is good, but too much is going to trigger a stress response. And so I think it's an important message because we're so trained in our societies to feel like I'm going to push myself harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do it better. You know, we're, we're so willing to stress ourselves. And yet this, the whole point of this is to recognize that it's, we need to learn better how to not just push ourselves harder and do it better, but how to really listen to our bodies and recognize that we need to choose the right amount for us, this Goldilocks principle, right? Like how do you find just the right amount, not too much, not too little, just the right amount that you're actually creating a beneficial effect in your body um, that's going to help you reset from stress. And that's the goal. So let's talk a little bit about some of the supplements that may be beneficial. Again, emphasizing that there's no one size fits all. I mean, we see, you know, you can go on the Internet and you can find this adrenal support and that cortisol support and, you know, various types of uh, supplements that uh, have, uh, you know, some of the some of the right ingredients that may or may not be a match for your type of uh, stress response. But what are some of those uh, agents that are plausible agents? Mm -hmm. We we often hear about them as adaptogens, and certainly, you know, sometimes maybe listeners, you know, you've, you've been told, oh, you're you need to pay attention to your adrenals, and so you just go to the store and pick out the product that says adrenals on it or something to do with cortisol, and you're guessing this these you're hoping these ingredients are the right ingredients. Now, to some degree, um, with adaptogenic herbs, the idea is that they have some ability to just bring our bodies back to balance. So if you have a very slight elevation in cortisol or a little bit low cortisol, they're going to help bring it back to optimal. Um, but in actuality, and this is, this, of course, from a clinical experience, so I'm usually dealing with patients who have more extreme symptoms, right? More extreme fatigue or anxiety or depression or sleep issues. So now just using a general adaptogenic formula is not going to do the trick. They're going to, you know, it's not unlikely to be very beneficial. So um, what I do is I look into the research and I find, okay, 
which herbs and nutrients are really best at lowering cortisol that's too high versus the herbs and nutrients that are better at raising cortisol when it's too low. And so this is, yes, in the book, I, I write this out very much in detail because I, I so strongly believe that I want people to choose the right product. So if you have cortisol that's too high, you're going to want to choose herbs like uh, magnolia root and banaba leaf and um, ashwagandha because those have more research to show that they help bring down the cortisol that's too high. They're helping to reset that HPA axis to more optimal cortisol levels. Whereas if you have a low cortisol, you're going to want to reach more for herbs that help the adrenals make more cortisol, like glyceriza or licorice and eleutherococcus, which is also known as Siberian ginseng and, and rhodiola, for example, right? These are the herbs that are going to help the adrenals do a better job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when it comes to some of the more conventional uh, vitamins and minerals, uh, are there mm -hmm. uh, things like magnesium or certain B vitamins that can help in this regard? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we know that most all of us are deficient in magnesium and likely B vitamins too because when we're under stress, our bodies use more magnesium and B vitamins because those are all used for making adrenaline and breaking down adrenaline and, <laughs> and so on. So it makes sense that we would get depleted in these nutrients. And so those are some of the important ones to, to start with as well. My favorite is magnesium because it... Magnesium also helps metabolize adrenaline. So if a person has too high adrenaline, magnesium is going to be their best friend, especially magnesium threonate, for example, to help mm -hmm. metabolize the, the adrenaline. Ah, oh, yeah. so great. Yeah. Uh, in the book, you, you also talk, you emphasize uh, the importance of, of good therapy because, you know, all too often uh, these days, uh, it's pretty expensive to go to a therapist. Uh, it's not covered by insurance and... Uh, it's much easier to get a prescription for a pill. That'll be covered by your drug plan. But uh, therapy may be underutilized in dealing with uh, stress and anxiety these days. Absolutely. There's a, and I have a, there's a whole chapter on um, what I call recovery activities. Um, and therapy is definitely in there along with just creating, you know, space for ourselves, creating time to take a break, have some quiet and use different recovery activities for yourself, like meditation or biofeedback or deep breathing, listening to music. Um, but therapy definitely can be hugely helpful. And, and of course, there's many different kinds of therapy and finding the right therapist for you. Um, but the research really shows that um, being able to express ourselves and communicate about what we've experienced, right? That the stresses we've been exposed to helps us to process in that mental, emotional place. I also in the book cover the spiritual realm because ultimately we're, we're all of those things, right? We're the physical, we're the uh, mental, emotional, and the spiritual, and it's and stress affects us on all of those levels. So we need to address all of those levels. Indeed. Uh, and finally, in the context of uh, what we've all been through, uh, COVID, uh, are you seeing patients with what's termed long COVID or post COVID uh, who uh, respond to this paradigm? Is there is there something about uh, the our body's stress response that goes haywire after COVID? Definitely, absolutely. I I definitely am working with uh, many patients throughout the pandemic to help them 
through COVID and now after, after, and it, it definitely like any infection, you know, like any viral infection, it's, it asks a lot of our adrenal glands, right? It, it, it also is a reason that we have a stress response is going to, an infection is going to trigger cortisol and adrenaline. And plus with COVID, there was so much anxiety about getting this particular virus. So it was amplified, you know, it's, it's not just the virus, but now you have this virus that has so much attention on it. And so I've definitely seen that this adrenal stress recovery protocol is, is so key for anyone recovering from COVID, especially if you're still noticing symptoms, you know, if you're noticing, Hey, I don't feel quite the same since I had COVID then, then this is exactly where I would encourage you to look to help your body recover. Okay. Well, we covered a lot of ground in uh, this uh, interview, but we're only scratching the surface of the very uh, detailed uh, advice that you provide in the book. And uh, it's a really wonderful uh, self-help almanac to uh, resetting uh, your proper stress response. The book is Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health, the personalized program to calm anxiety, boost energy, and beat burnout. And I, by the way, I, uh, it's such a good book that I really recommend it to a lot of the health professionals who listen to this program because I think we could all learn about a little more nuanced approach than we usually employ when we go, well, we pay lip service to, okay, it's a adrenal problem and, you know, let's give some uh, adaptogens. Uh, I think we need to be a little more uh, precise and discerning about how we apply uh, our, our therapies. And, you know, in your book, uh, you emphasize the different subtypes of uh, stress malad- maladaptation. And, uh, and I think that's a really good guide for uh, practitioners and patients alike. So congratulations to you. Oh, thank you. I mean, it's my, it's really been my life work. And so I feel so proud and happy to be having it into this format of a book where others can benefit from it. Indeed. The book is brand new. Uh, it is about to be published in May, but you can pre-order from the usual sources, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, as well as uh, the website, doctor, spelled out, Donnie, D-O-N-I, dot com. And uh, by the way, what other resources can people access at your website? Uh, there's uh, blog posts. There's the, my podcast, How Humans Heal. And um, also there's a a seven-day stress reset. So those who pre-order the book, please come to the website and let me know you've pre-ordered it so that I can um, have you join in my live seven-day stress reset in the first week of May. I would love to have all of you join me for that. Because, again, my, my goal is to really help people access and utilize the information in this book so you can get the most out of it. That's very empowering. And uh, for those of our listeners who are not uh, in the uh, Northeast, uh, you practice uh, on Long Island, but uh, do you also uh, see patients sometimes via telemedicine? Actually, mostly. Now I, I see patients by, by telemedicine or, you know, phone and video f- around the world because when it comes to uh, this, what we're talking about here, it, it can be done. It doesn't need to be in person. We can... Um, I can help patients with with uh, stress recovery from wherever they are, and uh, utilize group sessions to uh, amplify your impact. Great stuff. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Doctor Donnie. It's a pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine, and I wish you uh, all the success in, with your new book because uh, you're getting the word out about a very very important subject. 
Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me and for sharing this um, to your audience. I really appreciate it. My great pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, it's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.